0: Welcome to Living Stones, a podcast of conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church, highlighting the victories and struggles, the snapshots and stories of the people sitting right next to you on Sunday morning. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is Hallie Carl, our pastor of women's ministry, or as I'm told, the pastor of pastries. You're oh, a bit of a baker, file, hey. <laughs> aren't you? That's, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Are you like, how often do you bake and what do you bake?
1: Um, well, I, I specifically love to break, bake bread. Um, bread is my thing. I love it so okay. much. Um, and particularly if I'm um, stressed, that relaxes me immensely. So if really? I'm really busy, ironically, you will probably find me making bread at my house. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. That's not even like. <sighs>
1: No, it's not a fast process.
0: No, but I was going to say it's not even one of the best pat- pastries. Of like. A, is yeah, it-
1: and I do some pastry stuff, but bread is... There's an art to bread making. Yeah? Yeah. I, uh, this summer, made my own sourdough starter because okay. I really love sourdough bread.
2: Okay. And that sounds good.
1: I've always wanted to do it and um, made it, and it worked, which was cool because you put flour and water in a jar and you feed it more flour and water. Okay. And it turns into a sourdough starter, which then you put into your into your bread dough instead of yeast. Okay. And I didn't think it was gonna rise. And it totally did. And it was awesome. (laughs) But it takes like two days to make a loaf of sourdough bread. Oh man. So that's a commitment one. Like that's a treat. That Hmm. doesn't happen all the time. But regular basic bread, I, I just love to make. Hmm. So, yeah.
0: You know, they sell that at fries. They
1: But it's never, ever, ever as good as what <laughs> you can make at home. And I know a lot of people use bread machines and that's what I used to do, but I've become a total purist and I don't use bread machines
0: no. anymore. Yeah. Oh. I got rid of mine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to make fun of you too much because my sister, uh, Corinne, has uh-huh. made bread before yeah. and it's really good. When it's fresh, yes. but I don't know if it was the recipe she was using. It's been a long time since I got this from her, so maybe she's changed her recipe. I don't know, but like if like it's when it's fresh, it's great. But if you wait a little while, <laughs> something's wrong. So you got to do it <laughs> right away. Gotta, yes. Well,
1: isn't all bread better warm and fresh? I suppose. Yeah. yeah so that's just a thing. Okay. Yeah, store bought or not, the stuff you get at Fry's isn't warm and fresh. I guess not. So, there you go. Okay. Cut Corinne some slack. Okay.
0: Yeah. Her (laughs) bread was delicious. It was. It's it's (laughs) the best bread I've ever had in my life, the first 10 minutes it comes out. Um, (laughs) So, okay. So, Pastor of Women's (gasps) Ministry. Yep. What would you say is... um, Let's compare and contrast. Okay. What's the most fun or natural part of your job for you mm-hmm. in your your skill set or your temperament or whatever? Okay, and then with those things in mind, also, what would you say is the hardest or just the most challenging part?
1: Okay, um, I love teaching. Okay, so that doesn't surprise um, me. I that's that's the most fun part, and I'm, I'm teaching our precept study right now, which as is, um, is on Second Corinthians, and I just love it. Mm. I love. Love, love being able to unpack God's word mm. and and hear what the women in the class um, have to say in response and the things that God's teaching them through it. Es- especially, we did First Corinthians last semester. That is an incredibly challenging book, full of of places where you just kind of stop and go. Okay, what does this mean? Mm. And um, I loved wrestling through that with them. It's just, it's it's the best. That's cool. I've already forgotten the other part of the question. The other part is the, it's
0: the (laughs) bizarro opposite version Uh of that. So what's the hardest or most challenging part, given your temperament or skill set or whatever?
1: Um, I hate talking on the phone.
0: Oh, Holly does too. Yeah. Hates it.
1: It's just not my thing. Um, I would a million times prefer a text message than a phone call. Um... But obviously in this job, yeah. I do need to talk on the phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so um, I will I will kind of put off a call and then I'll catch my <laughs> – sorry um, – catch myself and be like, oh, Hallie, come on, make the phone call and then I'll do it. But I have to force myself to make those phone calls.
0: Is that like a – I mean, you're not a millennial, but I'm wondering—is that like a millennial thing or something? Because, because no, I well, I'm not a millennial either. We are about the same age, which we are. I which I often forget because your kids are so much older and yes. you've just experienced more in life than I have, you know. And so we
1: just started earlier. But uh,
0: but um, I was talking to Chris Bridges a while back and like was coordinating something and and I just got the feel like he would leave. He would call, and like more than once, he would call. And I would see that he called, but he'd never leave a message.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was
0: like... Is that a thing? Are you? Is that a thing with you guys? With <laughs> it is like yeah, it's kind of a thing. So I mean, are are we getting like sucked into that same kind of? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I do know that if someone calls me and they do not leave a message, I do not feel obligated to return the call. Oh yeah, me either. Yeah, if you want to talk to me, then yeah. go ahead and leave me a message. Let me know what you yeah. needed. Um, I don't know. I've never liked talking on the phone. Mm, I was okay. even when I was a teenager. Um, I wanted to be face to face with people I don't, I don't like, I, I just have never been a phone person. So I don't know that it's bleeding over from anybody. I just think it's my weird thing.
0: Okay. Yeah. I like this voice you've got going on. Yeah. Thank you for pushing through today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's that bronchitis. What are you going to do? All
0: right. Would you rather be a contestant on Iron Chef? cupcake Wars okay or the great British baking show oh
1: great British baking show hands okay. down yeah Why? no contest although I don't think I would make it far my kids recently were like you would be good on it because have you ever watched it no okay
0: can you just can we just put a full stop on this right now and can you just pick- <laughs> Pitch me on baking shows. Pitch me on baking shows and why (laughs) I should consider giving any time to watching a baking show.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, it's first of all, what I love about the Great British Baking Show is that everyone is very nice to each other. And it's it's a British show. Okay. Um, it doesn't have that, like, Americana weird thing where we have to be, like, rude to one another. I don't okay. know. I see that so much on our reality TV. And originally, and I'm probably talking more about the greatest British baking show that you want to know, <laughs> but when they started filming, the two hosts uh, didn't want to emotionally manipulate the people that were on the show oh. and so if the producers were trying to push that agenda they would um on purpose like swear or say the brand name of something so that they would have to cut the scene oh nice and so that the producers were like okay we won't do it and so it really is just a nice show where you don't have to see anybody be mean or rude and for me um this job can be a challenge where you deal with a lot of difficult things and hear a lot of difficult things. And so when I go home and I want to watch TV, I want to watch something that's going to relax me and bring me some joy Hmm. and, and that. Brings me joy to watch people yeah. encouraging one another and being kind to one another and they're baking at the same time. Like yeah. how much greater could you get? And so, <laughs> and I love seeing people bake things that would be a challenge to me and to get some techniques on how to do it. I mean, imagine a a show where you watch people gaming and like competing to see who's the best gamer, and at the end they win like a really cool old-fashioned gaming system that's like their reward because that's the reward for the Great British Baking Show. It's, it's a cake oh. pan.
0: Well, yeah. I don't really like competition, so I wouldn't like that gaming oh, show well, that you see, described.
1: Okay. You just can't there win with There it me. is. <laughs> yeah, what am I going to do? But that's why I like it.
0: Well, yeah. hey, I mean, if I can enjoy like mowing down mutated creatures in a post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. wasteland, who am I to judge you that's for right. enjoying a British baking show? Yes, let's so. have
1: grace with each let's other. That's right. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, earlier today, Hallie and I, spent some time talking with Marty Travis, who has just really dealt with some difficult things in life, but has in the midst of that, through that, discovered joy, held on to joy. And uh, it was a really great conversation to have that I personally uh, took a lot from. So uh, here's that conversation for you right now. Well, Marty, thanks for doing this with us. I really appreciate you uh, being here. You know, the, we had interacted doing the um, d- the caroling ministry that I organize every year. And I had, for those who don't know that are listening, I uh, called for volunteers to help with the bagpacking. And uh, you volunteered for that and were just such a wonderful help and so joyful in all of that, you know, um, which can sometimes be a high stress situation for me, you know, to get all that stuff figured out. And so you, it was just wonderful to have you involved. And then I go through the list of names of people that we going to be visiting and you're among them, and uh, you're one of those bags you're packing was for you.
2: I had no idea, or I might have <laughs> packed a little differently. <laughs> yeah. But we had so much fun because you had, oh, we had probably eight or nine volunteers. We all met in my kitchen. And we got it all put together. Had it, it was a tremendous time of fellowship, lots of fun, and I remember sending home the bag of broken cookies for your kids. Oh yeah, they loved them, <laughs> which That's was awesome. you know yeah because yeah. we were permitted to eat those. That's right, <laughs> but, but we saved a few. <laughs> but yes, and it was a great ministry. It was fun to put those bags together, and it was a joy to open my front door and find you there and familiar faces mm-hmm. and the the joy of just listening to the carols and oh i it was just a an incredible experience. So I can't thank you enough, and all of us who put the bags together want to be a permanent committee. <laughs> yeah, you told oh, me that. That's, awesome. that's so cool. Yes, we do. We want to be a permanent committee. We loved it. Awesome. You go. Okay. Well, well,
0: ever since then, you know, I, because the people that we visit specifically, we're visiting because they've experienced some kind of pain or difficulty, mm, you know, recently. And so um, I, I knew just a little bit from what the office had told me about uh, uh, kind of what you'd experienced. But I've been looking forward to when, when I heard that, uh, like. A, a Jessica and Arian were interested in having us interview you, I was like, oh, great, because I've been curious to hear more of, you know, kind of what your experiences have been, and so I've really been looking forward to this, but before we get kind of get to the um, the more recent history, I want to go back and uh, have you talk about when you became a believer, like when what, what part of your life did you become a believer? How kind of did that come about?
2: I'm going to have to try and give you a really short version okay. of my epic saga, because <laughs> it started when I was four years old, mm. and my parents took me to the mountains. And we went every summer after that for quite a few years. And when I went up into the, the high Rocky Mountains, something was so profoundly different. I had a sense of God there. I had a sense of his presence and his power. And those mountains that were so high, you know, and so big, and I was such a little girl, but I fe- I really truly felt cradled in them. And I loved that nearness, that connection to God. But when we left the mountains and when we went home, I lost it. Hmm. And it was like something I I grieved over. And as an adult and with children, Jim and I, my husband Jim and I, would take our children to the mountains in the summertime, and we loved hiking, and we just loved being there. And Jim realized that I had a connection there that was so strong that he always planned that we left in the morning, early morning, Mm. before the sun came up, because it was too hard for me to to go down that mountain and to leave. And so he took me out in the dark. (laughs) I married a smart man. He knew me well. So the tears were kind of cut in half. But fast forward to when I was about 38 years old. And by then, I had searched for God. I wanted that connection with him so badly. Mm. I wanted it to stay. And nothing I could do would achieve it. I became a striver. Hmm. From all the churches I went to, I think what I got out of it was be the best person you possibly can. So I tried hmm. so hard to be the best wife, the best mom, the best friend, the best neighbor, the best working, you know, coworker, all of that. And I, was, I thought I was doing a pretty good job, but in the course of one week... God showed me what my life was really like, and he did it this way. In the course of of one week, I had two of my friends call me Miss Perfect. Mm. One was a brownie leader that led my my daughter's brownie troop, and my daughter was struggling a little bit in school. She was in in, um, elementary school at the time, and my friend, who was my co-leader, said, Marty maybe your daughter needs to know that her mom isn't perfect. Hmm. At the end of the week, I went to a luncheon. And at that luncheon, the hostess kind of broke down toward the end of the luncheon and just told all of us that her marriage was in terrible trouble. She described how horrible things were. And all of us just felt tremendous compassion for her. And as I was leaving I went to give her a hug to try and comfort her as a friend. She received everyone else's hug, but she did not receive mine. She stiff-armed me, and she said, Marty, thank you, but no. How could you possibly understand what I'm going through? You are Miss Perfect. Everybody wishes that they could just have your life, and I don't. And it so stunned me because it, this was an exclamation point behind something that had happened to me earlier in the week. And I went home and that began a real look for the first time of what my, who Marty Travis really was. Hmm. And what I realized was that I had been wearing the good girl mask around all my life life. Mm. I was taught from an early age to be a good girl, to do the best I could, to put a good face on things. And that's what I had been doing. But when I started to think about my own marriage and my own children and everything that looked so good to everybody else, the reality was it wasn't good at all.
0: Mm.
2: And I knew that I wasn't good, that I was a sinner, Mm. and that I was not living a good life. Mm. So what happened after that was I went into really a downward spiral of depression. I lost all hope. And I got to the point where I was convinced, and I know it was the enemy, Mm -hmm. that I was just a waste of space. Mm. Mm. That if I couldn't, that if my life looked like to be such a sham... I didn't know how to fix it. I had no tools left whatsoever. And so I actually planned to end my life. And my My plan was to do your basic Thelma and Louise. I was going to get into my car, go down this long road from that was very near my house. And at one point, there was a ravine. And I was going to get up to as mm-hmm. high a speed as I possibly could and then aim my car off of that road into the ravine, and this nightmare of a life mm. would be over. And so I got into my car. I started out, and I found myself gripping the steering wheel so hard, and I found myself praying out loud. And this is basically what I said. I, I just said, God. I have been looking for you my entire life. I've wanted to connect with you my whole life, and I can't do it. I've tried everything I know how. And look at me. I'm a shambles, and I'm no nearer to you now than I was when I was four years old. I can't find you. Would you please, please find me? Hmm. I've looked in all the churches, I can't find you. I want you. To tell me who you are, and help me to find you. And after I prayed that prayer, my first realization was that I had completely overshot my takeoff point. (laughs) I thought, "Well, I I messed that up,
1: too."
2: (laughs) (laughs) But then, secondly, the thing that came over me was a sense of I've put this in God's hands, Mm. and I know He's there. I think he heard me, and a sudden peace came over me, and the desperation that got me into the car and behind the wheel and pressing on the accelerator was gone, Mm. and I drove home. Mm. So in the next few weeks, nothing happened. And then my daughter came home and said, Mom, I want to spend the night at at my friend Andrea's house, and then I'm going to go to church with her. Is that okay? I said, sure, fine. Jim and I didn't have a church at that point. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, that's I had no uh, objections to her going, but then I told some friends of mine on a Monday when I was meeting with them, mm-hmm. I think we had lunch. I said, well, Lindsay went to church yesterday. She's all excited about it. She came home, and she wants to go back next week. And they said, well, where'd she go? And I said, well, she went to Indian Hills Community Church, and the entire table went silent, and they said, Marty... You cannot let Lindsay go to this church. It's a cult. Mm. They are, and this was their word, they are Bible-thumping Jesus freaks. That was their words. Wow. I know you've heard that expression before. Mm -hmm. I never had. Mm. But it it just put me back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I went home and I told Jim this, and I said to him, we're going. (laughs) (laughs) We we have just got to check this out. (laughs) I had no idea what to expect. So to show you how unchurched I was and how clueless I was, we got to the church on Sunday morning. We We walked toward the sanctuary, and I said to Jim, well, look, this is the most beautiful church, but I cannot believe they can't afford pew Bibles like all the rest of the church. <laughs> everybody was carrying his a Bible. Poor church, it, it was that poor church. <laughs> I had, could not comprehend why everybody was carrying a Bible with them. Hmm. I went in, and the pastor at that time, his name was Gilru. He was preach. He was an expository hmm. style preacher, and he was teaching out of the Gospel of Matthew. Hmm. And there was a pew Bible, and I found Matthew, so I tried to to follow along because it was verse by verse. That was the first time I had an encounter, a personal encounter, with Jesus Christ because the entire sermon was Christ-oriented. Mm-hmm. It was all about Jesus, wow. who He is, what He had done for us, and it, it absolutely... It repelled me at first. Mm. It was it was a push pull type of thing. I was mm-hmm. pulled in and pushed away all at the same time. Mm. I felt like there was a ten a ten pound weight at least on my mm-hmm. chest, and I was just shot through with electricity. It mm-hmm. was just the strangest sensation. And I got out of there, and it kind of scared me. Mm. Yeah. And I said to Jim, "Well, I'm not going back there." It, I, it was I've never felt like that in church before, but the next Sunday. I was probably the first one in the door. <laughs> and so it went, Sunday after Sunday after wow. Sunday, listening for the first time to God's word taught and for Jesus Christ to be the central figure, mm-hmm. the only figure in the sermon. And I tried very and I was trying very hard to put all of this together because it was all so new. At the very same time I realized a friend of mine in the neighborhood went to the same church, and now we're getting to the climax point. I'm going to get there. <laughs> Her husband was one of the elders in the church, and they were having an outreach in the neighborhood, and they were going to talk about the church and about Jesus and just about if you have any questions, come on over. Mm. After the presentation, after the formal presentation was over and I was listening and trying to absorb, my good friend Rob Whitsett, who hosted this, was talking to a friend of his, and I was just sitting close to him, and he described Jesus as the Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what does that Mm -hmm. mean? Jesus is the Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. So I asked him, I said, Rob, I I don't mean to interrupt, but why is Jesus called the Lamb of God? And he explained it to me. and after he was finished it was like a veil was lifted i'm mm. telling you it was a cosmic divine revelation i understood for the first time in my whole life not just head knowledge of who jesus was but it struck at the core of my of my whole being mm. i understood him in a way that was far beyond what i'd ever heard mm. or experienced it was clear as a bell mm. And I was shot through with joy. I mean, I, I hear tell that I bolted out of there. I ran home. You're it was tell. a neighborhood thing. I did. I ran home. I ran to my house. I ran up the stairs. Jim was sitting in bed preparing for a speech he had to give the next day. And so he had his glasses on, and there was papers everywhere and books. I ran into our room. I ran up onto the bed, and I started jumping up and down, and I said, I know who he is. Jim, I know who Jesus is. I know who he is. And that is my story. That's how it all came together for me. And ever since then, you know, that experience has been the difference Hmm. because I haven't lost my connection with God ever again. It's only grown greater, deeper, more intimate. And the thing that was missing that whole forty years of my life was Jesus Christ, wow. and that's it.
0: Wow! All right. Well, that's all we have for this yeah, week. Is, <laughs> this. <laughs> no,
2: that, Did I take over? No, our time? no, no!
0: I'm just saying that in itself was amazing They're to hear. Amazing. That oh, was yeah. that was a complete like a package right there. No. I, well, that you was just amazing, scared amazing. me. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I'm all the time. Oh, oh yeah, you yeah, hater. yeah that's no. all right. No. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's like, that's worth the download. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. Uh, I've
1: heard that story before when I when I met uh, Marty for lunch the first time. I said, tell me your story. And um, I just heard it again. And it was just as good as the first time around. Wow. love it. That's right. It's amazing, Marty.
0: So then um, how did you specifically end up getting plugged in at Red Mountain?
2: We came um, about 13 years ago, the very first thing I did. We came from St. Louis, Missouri, Okay. came here. The very first thing I did was to join the Tuesday morning Bible study, because I think getting into a small group and and also just studying the Word together and getting into, like I said, a small group helped me more than anything else. Mm -hmm. But Jim and I also uh, volunteered to be greeters, so that we could greet people and, and that was a different whole different set of people that we could greet and my husband was just the most incredible greeter. So, um the two of us would would do it together and and loved it. And let's see what other things I did. I'm trying to think. Um I think those are the first two the first two things mm-hmm. just just serving Okay. And greeting is the best place in the world to do that if you're brand new to a church. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know get to meet tons of people. You do. Yeah. You, you mm-hmm. see what... Yeah. And then gradually just... Talking to people that were sitting around us in church, I love it when we all get to turn around and greet each other in the morning, and that was a good way to connect with people. So that was a good beginning.
0: Well, thank you for doing. Can I just say a public thank you to yes. anyone listening who does the greeting? On, that is like that would be super intimidating for me. I would mm. be like sweating and nervous. And <laughs> like, <laughs> it's
1: not your thing. Wait a second, yeah.
0: you, Peter? Yes, I'm. I'm very. You're
2: here on the airwaves, but you just would be scared you to know, greet. But if there's
1: the air,
0: just a few of you, us yeah, here. The airways, oh, yeah, the airwaves is all theoretical. We are an intimate with, group here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's just, yes, okay. Just,
1: yeah, so. He's much more of an introvert than you would think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Okay, so then what, what are you involved in at Red Mountain right now? Anything?
2: Well, I still greet.
0: Oh, do you? Okay. I do,
2: and I, um, I do the rock ministry, which I really enjoy.
0: And now, what is that for those who may not know that?
2: The rock is a place where we're invited after church. If we have something on our heart that we that that we would appreciate prayer for, mm-hmm. sometimes during the sermon, you know, just, just being in God's word, hearing God's word opens our hearts up. Mm-hmm. Helps us to see, like God helped me to see where my pain was and yeah. what, mm-hmm. what I was, what I needed. Yeah. And so that rock is there so that before we leave church, if, if that has struck a chord in our hearts and we know that we need prayer, that's where we go.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm there, and, and many other volunteers are there, and we hear people's stories, and we pray for them right there, and then we fill out a card, Peter, that that gives all their information and what it is that brought them to the rock, and then they will be contacted again by the church so that we can further examine what their need might be, yeah,
0: hmm. and
2: so that we, as a church, can meet them. There was a couple that I that came a few weeks ago, and they wound up being plugged in with, um, with uh, the marriage and family ministry. Oh, okay. And so it's a wonderful way to yeah. just go ahead and not only just pray for them one time, mm-hmm. but. To get them connected. Yeah. Continued relationships. Yes, Mm -hmm. so that we can minister and and shepherd um, each other, shepherd our congregation. That's Mm great.
0: Um, Now, you mentioned in your story, you know, you mentioned the word joy came up. And uh, when uh, when I was uh, told that we were going to be interviewing you, the word joy came up and talking about one of the reasons why we'd be talking to uh, to Marty. And, uh, and I've gotten the impression from just the brief, you know, times interacting with you that you're, I mean, you just got a huge grin on your face right now, you know, as you, so you strike me as a very joyful person. Um, what would, well, first, Look, uh, okay. what order do I want to do this in? What would you say? What would you say brings you joy?
2: Well, remember in my story when I told you when I figured out who Jesus was, yeah. that I just was like shot through with joy. Yeah. Yep. I've never gotten over it, not ever. <laughs> and, and that's it. I mean, he. I think it's in First Thessalonians somewhere. It just said, Re- "Rejoice always, mm. at all times." Mm-hmm. The only way you can do this, since times and circumstances constantly change and they're good, they're bad, and everything in between, the only thing that never changes is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. He is, that's the source mm. of my joy. And, you know, from that just flows everything else. And, you know, when I became a believer, my eyes got opened mm-hmm. to seeing God all around me in places I'd never seen him before or never would have looked for him. Mm. And I think that it's it stuck with me to the point where um, I go looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> I do, because you can; it's always to be found mm. and to find it in other people. I, I have developed a love for just the people in this church and just people, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to be very shy, very introverted. And there's probably an imprint of God's hand on my back, pushing me out mm-hmm. into the lives of others, mm-hmm. not not curling up inside of myself. But I think that is my source of joy, just my relationship with the Lord and, mm-hmm. and just the places He sends me, like to this podcast, which strikes fear in my heart. But... <laughs> But there's a joy in knowing I came here filled with joy because I knew that he called me to this mm-hmm. and that every thing that he calls me to, even at my old age, is to stretch us, to grow us, to push us into places that are so uncomfortable. Mm. This is so outside of my comfort zone.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: and and but it's a joyous thing to know that if he calls you to it. He'll not only have equipped you, but then he'll enable you mm. to do it and you can count on it.
0: what uh, what other you know joy is such an interesting word to me. I was just talking to Kyle uh, Fox about this earlier today that I like to kind of unpack that word a little bit. And maybe, uh, are there any other words that you would use to describe what you, when you say that you're experiencing joy, if I were to steal that word away from you and say, "Uh uh-uh, you got to use other words to describe it, what other words might you use to describe what you're feeling? Oh,
2: this is just a devilishly great question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to think hard. I think joy is just a sense of... Uh. Being content, mm. um, just uh, having a peace and a contentment that are separate from from circumstances. Does that make any sense to you mm-hmm. at all?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I struggle to experience that. Yes. But, I mean, I understand. <laughs> well, don't the concept. we all? <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> it is. I just think that in my life, God has helped me to just. Have a, um, oh, I wish I could. I see. I'm. This is my oldness kicking in. I lose words a lot. Oh. I think you're doing pretty good. Yeah, you're doing <laughs> yeah. great. You're they're doing. Great. Popular, they're littered all over, all the, over floor the floor. Of what I'm trying to say, but <laughs> it's it's just something that is it, is undiminished by just anything else around me, hmm. and. Um. Oh gosh, that's it. That's my answer. I can't think of another
0: thing <laughs> no, to say. That's great. No, that's I great. I don't know
2: what to say besides that.
0: Well, that's. I mean, and I'm. I don't want to put the whole burden on you of like, like. Tell us what joy is. You know. <laughs> Does um, anyone but, have a
2: but thesaurus? I, but I really.
0: <laughs> but I really like whenever I can to to uh, unpack that word with kind of whoever I'm with because it's I, I feel like that's a word I'm going to be developing a definition for and you know understanding it more and more probably for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you giving kind of your yep. input into what you experience as joy and and uh,
2: I would just have to with joy or any other word like that I would just have to consider the source of it for yeah. me. Hmm. That you know what what it is, where it begins. And so I guess my answer would we just have to stand, and um, there's peace, there's contentment, um, and there's something that can never be taken away from you, ever. It's something you you don't lose.
0: Yeah. Are, do you find that there are any specific um, thoughts or practices that bring you joy?
2: Oh, sure, and it just runs the gamut. I, like you, um, love music,
0: mm. Mm.
2: and there are times in my life when things are are pretty tough, like after I lost my husband. And sometimes, uh, I think all of us have opened our Bible, and we have started to read it, and yet it just seems like it's it's just bouncing off. Yeah. Mm. And so at those times, especially this summer right after Jim died, I would listen to some of my favorite uh, praise music and hymns, and my spirit would just connect and soar. Mm. And there was joy in that. There's joy just in my church family. Um, After Jim died, the people in this church reached out to me, and it was just the most incredible thing. Um, They weren't asked to do it. They just knew what to do, and I've learned so much from that. And I've found joy in just seeing... Christ and just being in the company of other believers who've gone before me many of the women I know are are widows and mm. I find just joy in their presence and mm. in their wisdom I find joy in my family and Arianne knows who greeted me at the door today that I find joy in my grandchildren mm. because they're hilarious and <laughs> and and I just I find joy in people and but most of all um, I find joy in God's Word, and uh, I think reading, reading the Bible and really knowing that it's God is speaking to me, and that it's living, it's new, it's fresh every day, and so there's an anticipation that brings me joy mm. in knowing that when I meet Him there, there it's, it's something that's going to be of substance. It's my daily bread. It's my very life. It truly is. I think I'm just telling you all this, and you all know this, but that's definitely something I look forward to that brings me joy, is is meeting God in His Word.
0: Now, you mentioned that you lost your husband. You said Jim passed away last summer. Is that right? He
2: did. He passed away in
0: June. Okay. Um, on the subject of joy, and just kind of in that context, did you... What did you find with with uh, your, your experience of joy? Did you find that joy was absent for a time? Um,
2: the answer to that is no, it wow, wasn't. Really? Because, and you don't know it perhaps until you go through it. But again, you have to go back. I, I think you have to go back to what the source of your joy is. When Jim passed away, the source of my joy didn't change. Mm. It was the same. Mm. Did I grieve? Was I devastated? Was I in horrible pain? Yes. Mm. But that pain and that grief can exist in Christ side by side with joy. And I didn't realize that completely or fully until I experienced it. But if you want to unpack it a little bit, it it was a shock to me when, when I got the phone call that he had, his heart had stopped. And I called my son and he came over and we wept together. And that night when I went to bed, the first thing I did was to just pray and cry out, just like the psalmist does. I, I go to the psalms a lot in times like that because the psalmist is so real with God. He mm. just, I'm hurting. Yeah, I'm in so much pain. I can hardly bear it. And then you come to the part, but you, God. And I had to intentionally remember that God was still on his throne. God was exactly the same as he'd always been before this happened to me and that he is who he says he is. And as I went to bed that night, I thought, here I still have an everlasting love, a love I'm never going to lose. He promises he's never going to leave me or forsake me. He's right here. I'm not alone. And to practice truth, to practice to remind yourself who you are in Christ and who he is in you and that was what gave me the ability to cry myself to sleep in peace because i knew jim was with jesus where nothing hurt everything worked you know he he was in a place when he died where his life quality was really awful mm. and getting worse. And if he had made it out of the hospital, his life would have been forever very different. So I thought, he's in heaven. He's with Jesus. He's seeing him face to face. I'll see him again. I practiced the truths that I knew of, not what was seen and not what I was feeling, but what is unseen, because that's where faith resides. And that is truly what I got me to sleep that night it was late, but I got to sleep, and I've slept every night since. I won't tell you it's been easy. It's not easy, but there is a a verse I think in James chapter one ish that kind of tells us when these calamities hit, when these when these um, uh, the pain hits so hard that we're supposed to count it cheerfully as a gift. Mm. Because when God tips us over like that, when he just, when there is a body blow that hit me, like when Jim died, when you're under so much pressure, the message that Eugene Peterson wrote says it: that, that pressure forces out our faith life. And we get to see its true colors. And in And in that passage, it says, don't try to just race beyond it. Don't try to get over it. I think what it was telling us and what I have learned is to embrace it because there's something extremely important in it. God's in it. And that's the only way I think, you know, I've been able to get through this is to not try to run away from my grief and not trying to run away from the reality But to try to face it head on, and I've talked with my son Matthew and my daughter and my grandkids because all of us have handled this in different ways. But I'm grateful that all of us are believers and that all of us um, can just lean in on Jesus at this time. And we're not Mm -hmm. through it yet, believe me. It's just not something that you—grief, I think, takes about a year, don't you think, oh, Hallie, at I, least? I
1: think longer than At that. least even
2: yeah. longer. Yeah. And it's not something that ever it's leaves you, ever. But...
0: Um, so given just like, I mean, the massive impact that something like this had on you and would have on, on anyone, <clears throat> I'm curious if your sense of joy, your maybe your understanding of joy or your experience of joy, anything about joy in your mind has changed. Um, Since your husband's passing,
2: let's see. How can I explain this? I was kind of curious to know how I'd react. I used to be a grief counselor. Oh, really? But that makes no difference at all when it happens to you. At all, you think, how am I going to react to this? I think the way my joy has changed. I knew it was there with me. It never left, because my source was my relationship. With, with Jesus. But I can tell you very truthfully, I was surprised by how great a sense of his presence I had. Mm. For the first time, I, this is the first time in my whole life that I ever lived alone. Mm. Mm-hmm. So after that first night when Matthew was there, my son, I was by myself in this house and at first I had an overwhelming sense of just being terribly alone. Mm. And, and I started to get just a little bit uncomfortable, very scared and uncomfortable. Mm. But there again, that's when we rehearse it. That's when we, when we say, is what I'm feeling really true? And what I realized was, no, Marty, it's not true. You aren't alone. There's someone here with you. There's someone whose presence is here with you. You just can't see him, but he's here. Mm-hmm. And that in itself just gave me peace, just just grasping the unseen, mm-hmm. grasping the truth I've been taught, grasping what God has told me about himself. And so I have to say that the joy has kind of intensified. It's kind of, it's broadened mm. into this new phase of my life.
1: Mm.
2: I'd never experienced living alone before. I'd been with Jim as a partner for 50 years, mm. and it was gone. Wow. But Jesus wasn't gone. He hadn't changed he was in the same place. And so I leaned heavily on him because it was just the two of us now. And so I, I've seen it from the other side. I've seen it, I've seen it from a, a, a new reality in my mm-hmm. life. And the circumstances that I'm in now, um, I don't have my love of my life anymore. But I think what Jesus wants, and I think what God wants, is he tells us his commandments are, first, to love him with our whole heart. And so a way in a way, I think he's kind of weaning me from being clinging to anything or anyone, no matter how good and great it is, except for him. Mm. To be, to cling to just one thing. Person, because we can't ever lose him, mm. we can lose everything else. I'm at a point in my life where my friends are having strokes, they're having their knees practically they're all bionic. I mean, they've got <laughs> knees and elbows and ankles and yeah. I mean that have all been replaced, yeah. you know they're getting their their second parts and <laughs> and I've lost three of my very best friends. Mm. and so I told Kyle when he asked me how I was doing that I, a long time ago when Jim was in the hospital, I said to him, I just think that when you've walked with the Lord as, and you get to the point in life that I am, that it's a total process of weaning us away from the world mm. so that it is not something to grasp. And I think that even includes those who are very dearest to us. Mm. I've lost friends. I lost a baby grandson I can't hold on to these things mm-hmm. I can enjoy them but there really is only one thing in this life that I I truly can hold on to that I can never lose and it's a tremendous comfort that's the part of joy that I that I would say that I have right now and it's just been a process of just staying as near to God as I can there's a I learned this phrase a long time ago when I was in um, Bible study fellowship and I heard it and it just has clung to my heart and I just describe it as a process of walking. that's the active part of it in close conscious communion with Christ. That's hard mm-hmm. because everything we're surrounded with in this world just wants to take our focus off of that. It yeah. wants you know wants to interrupt it, Yep. wants to trumpet with something you mm-hmm. know uh, that's more important, just the dailiness of life, the things that claw at us from every angle. I mean, it's like, we are. We're just hard hit on every side to get that focus off. it is. It has to be a very, I would say, a discipline, and it's got to be extremely inten- intentional. Mm. Yeah. It's a choice. Well, we all, you know, it's just a choice, yeah. and it takes a lot of practice. Did and I don't know if I answered your question at all. No, no, no.
0: You, that and more. Um, yep. I want to. I want to back up. You'd mentioned that you were a grief counselor, and that 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 didn't, you know, really. Well, I, I don't know if you necessarily said it didn't prepare you, but I'm curious. You know, I I just turned forty last April, and so I'm in new ways, processing all these kinds of things about mortality and thinking about, you know, oh, yes, po- one yes. day, you know, potentially having to deal with, if I don't go first, dealing with the loss of my my wife, mm-hmm. you know. Did you ever, at any point prior to Jim's passing, um, wonder about how you would handle his passing? Oh, yes. And how did you think, at and in those times before his passing, how did you think that would go for you?
2: I just did not know because I... Jim was diagnosed with a terminal condition last December okay um and so I knew but I'd also watched him deteriorate for the last two years and it was excruciatingly painful I it, it was to the point of pain that was almost unbearable as I saw him struggle my mm. my incredibly strong husband um was losing his abilities just across the board. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with that a lot. It it was sometimes very overwhelming, and I had to call good friends and ask them to please pray for me because I was just drowning in my sorrow. And so, yes, when I thought about what's it going to be like when I lose him, I really didn't know how, how how I would react to that because just being with him every day and realizing what he was going through and trying to be a caregiver, but not being able to help him like I wanted to, um, it, it was one of the greatest challenges I think I've ever had in my faith. It was very hard for me to um, deal with it, but I remembered that grief is a process mm. And you have to just give yourself to it. Mm. I don't know that, that anybody knows until it actually happens to them, Peter. You can prepare yourself in certain ways. And I kind of knew the, the, the stages of grief. But you don't necessarily go through them in, in, a, in order. Mm. Yeah. No two people process grief the same way. Mm. It's a very individual thing. Mm. And, and there again... It's between just two people, you and God.
1: I just heard a speaker talk about it not being stages but cycles because you kind of can cycle through one and hit another one and cycle it and maybe hit back and cycle that again. Um, and people think it's going to be a stage and they they can cross that off the list and, and move on and not hit that stage again. But that's not necessarily true. You oh, no, Hallie, I'm
2: so glad you said that because I've that's exactly how it's happened with me. Mm-hmm. I've I've definitely cycled in and out of different stages and skipped a few right. and you just kind of have to give in mm-hmm. give into it and just let just let yourself be taken through it and here I am again back to trying not to put a good face on everything yeah not to put you know to wear to go through life without a mask mm-hmm. yeah. and so if I'm really hurting and people ask me how I am. I just say, well, people, I'm hurting. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I am really hurting today. And, and that, you know, it's authentic. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what we're called to. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And other days, I'm fine. And I'm, I feel great. But then there was a day when, for no reason it will know there was a reason—I started crying in the frozen food section of Albertsons mm-hmm. because I reached for something that I bought just for Jim.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. Yep. And just out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, it, was. It, was. Mm-hmm.
2: it just was overwhelming. Mm. But by the grace of God, by the time I got up to the checkered, mm-hmm. you know, the checkout counter, and I was around people again, I was—I was better. But it, it, that was a surprise. It. It's, yeah. It hits you when you're not really expecting it sometimes. And one of the things I think that I, I'm concerned about the most is that my children and my grandchildren feel free to talk about their own grief mm-hmm. with me, mm-hmm. to talk about missing Jim and about how important he was in their life. I have one granddaughter who is particularly close to Jim. Well, there were just two peas in a pod my son called me once and said, Mom, I think I'm raising my father. <laughs> oh my I said, you know, I think you are too. <laughs> and so those two had a, an incredible bond. She's struggling. Mm-hmm. And at first it was she didn't want to talk to me about it because she was afraid it would really upset me. Yeah, And I hope she knows by now that she she can talk about it and weep yeah. with me and... And that it's okay, that it's just okay,
1: well, I love how you've modeled transparency in that because, like you said, there are days where you might not be okay and and you say that, and that shows people that it's okay to not be okay and And that hasn't changed, as you said, the source of your joy it It hasn't changed yeah. that. that's still constant, yeah. but um but your transparency is modeling that for your granddaughter, and I think that that she'll see that in you and and hopefully little by little be able to lean into that as well. Oh, Hallie,
2: I hope so. Yeah.
1: Well, we can pray for that too. We
2: will. Yes. We will.
0: Um, I'm curious, this is a little bit uh, different from the way I was going to kind of phrase this, but you, know, you mentioned that you uh, didn't really know how you would handle it. Um, but this was a selfish question that I put in here because I'm thinking about, you know, the idea of losing my wife and at the risk of getting myself in trouble emotionally here, Mm. um, I just, I just imagine myself being completely shattered by that experience and like not recovering, you know? Um, and, like I just wonder about like some of my my personality traits. I wonder would I be prone to suicidal thoughts? I mean, mm-hmm. what where would I go? How deep would my despair be? You know, and um, so uh, if you were to put on your grief counselor cap for a mm-hmm. moment, what would you say <laughs> to uh, to someone like me that just that just shared that that musing with you, wondering how they're gonna deal with it? What hope do I? have or someone like me have that you would that you would say right now train yourself in this way um so that you can have hope when when and if that time comes oh
2: peter i, I hope i can give you an answer that makes sense to you i would just say love your wife well and cherish every day that you have together she is just a gift from God. She is. And all of us who know her know how incredibly special she is, gifted, and what a heart she has for the Lord. And think about maybe what she would want for you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if she were to go. Mm -hmm. I think she'd say, Peter, I know where I'm going. I'm going to be with Jesus. I get to go first. So there, ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be fine. And someday, we're going to be together again forever. And we're going to see him face to face. That's the reality of things. I think what she would want for you would be to just release her to Christ, to to release her to the Savior that you know in your heart um, lives. You know that your Redeemer lives. And I think she would encourage you, like I would, that, if that were to happen, that the source of your comfort would be Jesus Christ, because that's what he tells us. He is the source of all comfort, and he can comfort us in all affliction, it, everything, even losing the most precious gifts that God gives us in this life. We have to hold very loosely Love her well, hold her loosely,
0: and, <laughs>
2: and and keep yourself anchored to the one you can never, ever lose. Because that's what unites you. That's the true thing that unites you and that will reunite you. And I don't know if that makes any sense to it you. Does. It but does. But it's the best I can come mm-hmm. up with right now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, wonderful.
0: That it's wonderful and challenging and uh gives me some things to to focus mm-hmm. on and uh yeah, I noticed just over a Christmas break just in processing some of these things in a in a in a little bit of a deeper way lately that that my uh affection for both my wife and my boys has kind of become heightened, you know, mm-hmm. as I've been processing this stuff and so what uh, what you say just kind of is in keeping with uh, what God seems to be kind of drawing my mind to. So thank you, I appreciate that. Well,
1: and I think the idea of of holding loosely to something you love so much yeah. is is so counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in holding your loved ones more loosely, you're gripping tighter to Jesus. Yeah, and that's the part hmm. of it that's so important is that um, he's the he's the primary, he's the first and foremost, and he, these other things are gifts that he's given us to be able to bring him us closer to him through those relationships. And um, I think it's just amazing the way that he allows us to have... That kind of special bond with people on earth, but yet in the same way, he's using it to bring us closer to him.
0: Yeah, I wonder if you know, you said something earlier about just seeing, finding God in all kinds of things. And I thought about, oh, should we unpack that? And I said, no, let's, you know, let's, let's move on to something else. But, (laughs) but it comes, it comes kind of full circle right now. Because, you know, as you said, Hallie, these wonderful people in our lives Mm -hmm. are these gifts that we get to enjoy, but we don't want to hold on to them. And earlier today, as I was processing some of this a little bit in anticipation of this uh, interview, I was was thinking about—I was like, I wonder if a key to having the right mindset about this is when I am enjoying my wife and just finding so much pleasure in my relationship with her— for me to make that mental connection as often as I can mm. to this is God's gift. This is I'm seeing a glimpse of God's love for me through Holly's yes. love for me. I'm seeing a glimpse of the pleasures that God brings mm-hmm. through the pleasures I find with the the smiles of my boys, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So oh uh,
2: yes, and seeing Christ reflected in her. Yeah. I mm. mean, that's what you're seeing, and I think yeah. that's what you're loving and yes. cherishing. Haley and I are both in um Second Corinthians chapter six mm-hmm. this week, yep. And Paul, that's where he goes through this litany yep. of these horrible calamities he oh, goes yeah. through. That's right. yeah. You know, just one thing after another, mm-hmm. and then he kind of goes into the the fruits of the spirit. But then at the very end of the the chapter, he says, "Having lost all things, but possessing everything." Yep. That, That's amazing. Just that little <laughs> capsule there is yep. kind of, I think, what we're, yes. we're saying. I agree. That yeah. he, don't you think? 100%. Yes.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. This is really interesting timing because I'm not going to plug it, but my other podcast, I've been going through, we've started a study in James and you mentioned mm-hmm. that that, uh, oh, yes. that part of early James. And then, and I uh, brought in that passage about Paul, you know, and yeah. that, so all of this is like, I just, sometimes God, just the way he orchestrates yep. things. Like, <laughs> He's pretty amazing. You know, people, I, hope, I hope you're giving attention to other people's lives too, God, because it seems like you're doing all this for me. Um, so, what is something that you think maybe God has been reminding you of during this season of your life? If anything comes to mind?
2: Well, this is a question that I know that you submitted to me before I came in today, so I had time to think about it and I just had to sit and really ask him. Yeah. But I I would say that um what he's been showing me, what he's been asking me to do is practice thanksgiving. And I, I don't know if I can explain um, just how much that has helped me, but uh, a long time ago, um, Nancy Braun told me about, um, I think it, she told me about the devotional by Ann Voskamp, which was A Thousand is a Thousand Gifts. Mm-hmm. And at the back of the book, um, do you know that book, Hallie?
1: I do. At the back mm-hmm. of the
2: book, you have a chance to write down a, a thousand Thanksgivings each day. And you go through and you just, you write what you've been thankful for that day. Mm. And it really starts making you look closely at just everything in your life. And I've just been getting that book out lately. Mm. And I just know God is wanting me. Boy, I'll tell you, when you live by yourself, you can just turn so inward so fast. Yeah. Mm. And and you can kind of, you can think about, that empty chair, and you can think about so many things that are missing Mm. in your life without your husband. I can hardly go into our closet because his things are still there. Mm. So I think what practicing thanksgiving is, is just intentionally thanking God for the big things, for the little things. A cardinal landed in a bush outside of my patio, and it was like, Wow, it's a cardinal. It's the first one I've seen in, you know, a long time. Mm. So I went in and I wrote that down. Yeah. Thankful for chocolate ice cream. (laughs) Thankful, you know, just thankful for silly things. Think, thanking him for the deeper things, Mm. forcing myself really Mm -hmm. to focus on that. Mm. And when you do that, at first it's hard. And you're not quite sure i wasn't quite sure what to write down i thought mm-hmm. oh it should be something lofty mm. so <laughs> you should see at first I write down all the, I I've gone back and I've looked and I've written down all these incredibly wonderfully lofty things. You would be so impressed. <laughs> After the first two pages, I got real. <laughs> and, and and it was just bizarre crazy things. Like I, I don't know. I, I I there's a kitchen knife that was my mother's that I love. I wrote down that I was thankful for my mother's kitchen knife. I mean, it's just but it makes you realize that everything is a gift, mm. and we can just be thankful. There is a quote in that book by Anne um, Voskamp. It was by G.K. Chesterson. Chesterton. Chesterton. Ten, yeah. Pardon <laughs> me. I finally got it out on the third try. But it just said he he is convinced that Thanksgiving or thankfulness is the highest form of thought, mm. and. I really sat down and thought about that, and tried as I'll use a a pater word, unpack it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why he f- would feel that Thanksgiving is the highest form of thought, and it's just because in all of it, it's 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 a straight arrow up right. to God. Right. It's all it's all connected to Him, yeah. and um, again, all the gifts He gives us in in the. In the just mundane,
0: Mm.
2: and in the first two pages, which were so lofty, (laughs) there's you know it runs the gamut, Mm -hmm. and so that's what I'm doing now and trying to be intentional in.
0: Mm. Well, if you if you if your last name wasn't Travis and if it was McFly instead. Do you know know who Marty McFly is? Of course, Marty McFly. (laughs) So if your last name (laughs) don't think
2: I haven't been called that before.
0: (laughs) Oh man, sorry. So if your last name was McFly instead of Travis, and you could go back in time, and talk to your let's say your twenty something or thirty something year old self, um, and you could just kind of give one brief bit of advice to yourself at that age that you think would be helpful in the later years of life. What, What 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 do you think you might say?
2: Well after listening to myself today, I it kind of occurred to me I would say stop trying so hard to be a good girl. You just can't do it. Mm. You know, take off the mask. Marty, get real.
0: Mm.
2: Don't be afraid of everything. And of course, I would tell myself if I were 20, I would share Jesus Christ with myself. Mm because at that time I didn't have a clue who he was so I guess he I would I would say Marty the central figure in your life is missing mm. that's what's wrong that's that's why your life isn't adding up and seems so and that's why you seem so empty and mm. you know even at 20 I was pretty lost
0: mm.
2: so I hope that makes sense. Oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's the void. That's what was missing, big time.
0: Hallie, did you have um, any comments or questions or anything you wanted to tack on? No, I,
1: I think I, I really loved how that ties together, how um, in those early years with those two encounters with the women that said that that you had this kind of persona of being perfect yeah. And um, I think oftentimes we want people to look at us and think that we have it all together, even as Christians. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> and, um, and that's why I, I brought up transparency earlier, because I think it's so important to be transparent in our struggles as Christians and say, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling right now, and and it's hard, and I'm not really sure what I think of it, or I'm not really sure what God's trying to say to me through this passage that I'm really struggling with or what um, he's trying to tell me right now. But in all of that, it's so important because there might be someone next to you that thinks that they need to be perfect. And we don't need to be perfect. We can't ever be perfect. And and really, in a way, you are striving to be perfect or look like you were, was pushing people away. And that's the very thing I know for you as a people person that had to have really hurt because you wanted to give that hug to that woman. And so I just think that's such a good reminder to us to um to not feel like we have to have that burden on our shoulders and to just be real with people and and have it say, I remember talking to you when we got back from Kenya and you asked me about how the missions trip had gone and I talked to you about some of my difficulties there and some of the things that I was really struggling with talking to God about. And I I thought back on that after we had spoken, and I, I hadn't shared any with anybody those struggles um, before I had talked to you about them. I think a little bit because if people hear some of the things that I was asking God, that can be that can be scary for them. Like, what is she thinking? She's asking God, I don't, you don't seem very good right now. Cause some of the things that we saw were really, really hard. And I had to talk to him and ask him to show me his goodness again, because I had lost sight of it in the midst of some of the things that I saw. And because God is faithful and true and he, he is, he doesn't change and he's constant, he, of course, was, was so good and showed himself to me and showed how he was active in those situations. But I also just appreciate the way that you are so easy to talk to Mm. and you're somebody I, I felt like I was safe to share that with. Um, And so I, I appreciate that part of just reminding us that um, through your whole thing, through your whole story about talking about how the source of your joy never changed despite your circumstances and that's something I definitely will keep in my back pocket and and think on because uh, we've got a lot of life ahead of us to be able to to be able to pull that one out and think on it. So that was good.
0: Thank you so much for doing this, Marty. Yeah. I mean uh, this this has certainly been the most personal interview experience that I've had so far on the podcast, but i I know that uh, so many people that are listening, uh, are, are either, um, uh, have dealt with the loss of a spouse or are contemplating that possibility in their future. And so I can just only imagine how this, uh, conversation is going to minister to people, um, that listen to it whenever they listen to it, you know, this week or years from now. So thank you so much for just kind of opening up with us and sharing your life with us.
2: Thank you for inviting me and we'll just have to put it in God's hands now and just See what he does with it. That's right. And thank you, Peter, And
1: Thank you, Allie. You bet. Thank you, Marty.
0: Well, as I, I mean, as I just said a second ago, that was like probably the most per- personally involving and impactful. I really appreciate it. it was I I appreciated the chance to just be selfish and ask her some of yeah, the no, questions that were sure. uh, really pertinent to me. Um, so, what stood out to you, Hallie, about our time with Marty?
1: Mm, well, I just have always known Marty to have that joy, and so I was, I was looking forward to a chance to hearing her kind of unpack what that was, um, as you had said, and even even that word and what it means to her, because she does tend to use it a lot. So, mm-hmm. I loved that in unpacking that word, she talked about peace. Um, and, and contentment, uh, those are two things that we tend to lose sight of so easily in our lives. And so, um, that those were the two things that the words that popped into her mind to describe joy, that was fascinating to me. So I, that's something I'm going to take away and really want to ponder and, and look at more. And am I practicing contentment and peace enough, Mm. um, and then I really loved how she talked about um, the source of her joy not changing and also practicing truth.
0: Mm. That's
1: something that um, I've told my kids from time to time is to um, focus on what you know is true and trust that God is in control. And um, and I think it's so important, especially in traumatizing situations or or times of pain, to be able to uh, recenter and focus on truth, yeah. um, and and even actually when things are good, because I think when things are good and going smoothly, we can think um, that it's us, and, uh, we're, and we're not attributing that to God or giving Him glory in those moments, too. And then I also loved her talking about practicing thanksgiving, mm. and... I know for me, um, Jessica's nights of worship last year, kind of going through the different um, uh, evenings that we had, and and there was lament, and and um, and was there joy, um, rejoicing? But Thanksgiving was that component, and I, I and confession, and really how all of these things they tie together so perfectly. But I was reminded of um, Colossians three when she was talking about Thanksgiving. And it says in 16 and 17, "...let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him so twice in those two verses it talks about thankfulness and that's just you know two of of so many um, and I think that thankfulness is the counter um, it's like the the um what do you call it? Like the antidote, antidote. for yeah. for that grief and pain or sadness or selfishness, any of those things. Um, and practicing thankfulness is so important. So all of those things were just so impactful for me as as Marty shared her story.
0: Hmm. Well, for me, I mean, obviously there was the just the, the personal impact on some of the things that I've been processing, mm-hmm. but so I don't need to go over that again. But I would say a, apart from that, um, I really appreciated what she shared about the mask that she had been wearing, yeah. and just the importance of being real. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that I'm I'm just thrilled uh, to have seen over the years at Red Mountain Community Church, and continuing now, an emphasis in the leadership here of just being real, you yeah. know. And uh, you know you you're not gonna there's a there's a time and place to to be real and of course you're gonna there's some people that you know you can trust to be wise with the things that you share with them and mm-hmm. so you're, you're not gonna share everything with everybody right but yeah, um be but discerning yes yeah, yeah yeah but I I just sense a readiness and an eagerness mm-hmm. among the leadership that they model really well just talking to Dave Amy we were musing mm-hmm. once about leadership and he says yeah you kind of have to lead with your own junk yeah you know when you're starting a conversation with somebody that you hope will be uh, something that they open up in yes. that you got to lead with your own junk, you yep. know, and then having lunch with Kyle today, I just casually asked him, Hey, how you been? And he could have given me the typical yeah. answer, but he just got real, yeah. you know, and, and told me some things that were difficult mm-hmm. lately, you know? And, and, uh, so I, I just, uh, I would just love to see that continuing, not just yeah. among our leaders, but more and more among all of us yeah. that are involved and attending and members at Red Mountain to like lean into the squirm of just uh, confessing our junk yes. in casually in conversation <laughs> you know and just being open yep. and just trusting that you know what we're at a church that believes that the bible does teach grace yes. and and so i'm going to trust that people will give me grace when mm-hmm. I share this. Right. You know? And then of course we have to be worthy of that trust and give yeah. grace as we're as that's yes. <laughs> being shared. But uh, but anyway, yeah, that really struck me because so many walls I think can come down if we're just willing to take off our stinking masks. Yep, you know? for sure. All right. Well, uh, last month we had a poll up at rmcchurch.org slash podcast asking, what is your favorite thing to eat? On St. Patrick's Day, you see, we just take a, like a, a hard right turn yeah, into just yeah. completely weightless conversation That's right. topics. That's mm-hmm. what we do yeah. here on Living Stones. Thirty six percent said uh, they they chose Lucky Charms as their favorite mm. thing to eat on St. Patrick's Day. Sixty four percent chose corned beef. Hallie.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to go with corned beef and cabbage. Oh, yeah. really? Lee hates it, so I really don't make it, but that's what I would choose.
0: I haven't had it myself. Really? so it's, no. sa- it's
1: really salty. That's okay. why Lee doesn't care for it. That's why you eat the bland okay. and soggy cabbage okay. with it. It balances it out. Gotcha. But he doesn't like the cabbage part either, so I'm not a Lucky Charms fan. Hmm. Even when I was a kid, I pretty much just ate the marshmallows out of it, so there was no <laughs> nutritional content whatsoever, but...
0: Yeah, I gotta go with tacos. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. come on, really? I mean, who who really eats any kind of particular food to what to celebrate to recognize Saint Patrick's Saint, I, Day?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I guess if I had to, you know, what I'll have tacos with Lucky Charms in them. <laughs> So you can put that, <laughs> that in your pole and so smoke it.
1: Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky Charms in your tacos. Somebody's Did, gonna need to bring the Francens dinner on St. <laughs> Patrick's Day, and that's what it's gonna be. Do
0: they just get the two options for the poll? Well, that's that's oh, okay. That's, that's the problem. You're okay. putting me in a box mm-hmm. here. Yeah. All right. I don't like being put in boxes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? It's all. That's, oh, oh Jessica says that's all the Instagram poll will allow you. We're is just two choices. limited by Instagram okay. always. But I guess we did also ask, I don't know, something about your favorite things about spring. We got a few different responses mm. there. Uh, one was Easter, which that does take place in spring, so a valid choice.
1: Resurrection. Uh, that Day. was not one of the choices.
0: <laughs> Easter. 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 Yeah, I said that for Scott Ritter. <laughs> uh, warmer weather. Oh. Yeah, I'm a little surprised about that one, no, but thank you. uh okay. Um and flowers blooming. Mm. I think I could be wrong. I think that only happens in books, like yeah. in prairie romance mm-hmm. novels mm-hmm. or something. I don't Anyway, what do you think? I mean, like what do you do you have any favorite things about spring?
1: Um ironically, it does involve a flower, so that's funny that you said that. But every, I I plant calla lilies and they're in my yard. Actually, I only planted them once. What? Lilies? Calla lilies? Calla lilies. Yeah, they're like a white big white flower with an like a yellow stem in them, and they're beautiful. Yeah, you're, you're snoring already. <laughs> Here's the cool part about them. So uh, they they grow dormant twice a year, and then in the what I call the two springs of Arizona because we really- don't experience real seasons, but twice a year, spring and fall, my calla lilies come up from just the dry ground. And to me, it's just a a reminder of God's faithfulness and that Mm. um, even from just dry, packed Arizona dirt, he can bring forth these beautiful flowers to Mm. me twice a year. So that's one of my favorite things about spring.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. You do have to be a little bit outdoorsy to appreciate flowers though, don't you?
1: I I consider myself a little outdoorsy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I like the spring because there are often some good video game releases.
1: I figured that, that time. was coming. Uh, yeah. You
0: also we can also start anticipating E3. Okay. Which is a big is that? that's a big video game conference. Oh. That happens in June. And so we start kind of counting We're down to that. Anticipating that, that rumors even in the start flo- okay. floating around and All so right. I guess that's uh, We're I got anteci- a birthday in April so that's I usually take a day off and play the video games. Carl's
1: are anticipating um the Avengers movie coming out this summer. End that's game. A, that's a big deal yeah. to uh, specifically my boys but mm. it's a it's a Carl fan fun moment for nice. us. So yeah. Yeah, I'm we looking can't forward wait.
0: to that. All right. Well, that's it All right. for this episode of Living Stones. You can follow Red Mountain Community Church at MyRedMTN on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also help us by leaving a review of the show on iTunes, sharing what you think of it so far. Finally, you can go online to rmcchurchorg slash podcast to submit responses to our poll questions and leave questions for the guests featured on the next show. On our next episode, we'll be talking with Marina Stender about her faith journey from her childhood in Russia up until today. Uh, You can go online to rmchurch.org podcast to submit your question for Marina and you may just hear it read on the next episode. In the meantime, I'm Peter Franson. And I'm Hallie Carl. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on Sunday. Right. right. Yeah. He's yeah. done. It yeah. did it. Woo! <laughs> 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 Marty, that was great. And look at her fly
1: out of that chair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't record me anymore. <laughs>
0: Goodbye. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>